Some school districts, hammered by budget cuts, want to open their doors as childcare facilities, serving babies as young as six weeks old. Certainly a creative solution, or is it an unfair loophole? We'll find out on this week's Jaffe Podcast. You're listening to the Jaffe Podcast, brought to you weekly by Jaffe Communications. The unsung heroes of New Jersey's economy are its child care workers. Families with children rely on them to be able to work and to study. When this crucial service breaks down, everyone suffers. A recent study from Child Care Aware suggests that America's economy sheds $30 billion in wages and lost productivity every single year, and that's due to the lack of access to affordable child care. There's a bill currently under consideration which would allow public school districts, subsidized by taxpayers, to open their doors as child care centers, again, serving babies as young as six weeks old. State lawmakers who introduced the bill argue it's a unique way for districts with declining enrollment to offer needed services to their constituents while monetizing underutilized facilities. But Guy Falzarano, Vice President of Government Affairs at the New Jersey Child Care Association, says the bill would unfairly undercut operators of private child care facilities, jeopardizing 87,000 jobs in New Jersey and undermining the oversight power of New Jersey's Department of Children and Families. And that would leave working parents like Royce Strovsky with fewer options for safe, affordable child care. We're very pleased Guy and Royce caught up with the Jaffe podcast just in time for the Senate to debate this issue on Thursday. Guy and Royce, welcome to the Jaffe podcast. Thanks Thank for, having, for me. having me. What we wanted to talk about today was um, this legislation um, that I mentioned. Uh, and uh, basically, it seems like it's... It seems like it's one of these pieces of legislation that kind of get, are getting rushed, and uh, we want to talk a lot about it. It's Assembly Bill 5066, and Guy, do you want to spend a minute or two and just explain to our, our listeners what this bill is about? Yes, this bill was created because of a um, child care center that was illegally being run out of uh, an Evesham Township school district building. Um, local provider... Um, recognized that they were running an illegal center and uh, brought them to court. And after a long four-year battle, um, the child care center uh, lost in court because they were running illegally. And um, then they uh, started to um, seek other recourse to keep their center open. And they went to uh, their local representatives, and that's how this bill was created, to try to uh, keep them in business. Right now, there's a bunch of people that are in uh, the state house, and they're angry. And they're angry because they believe there's a lot um, that could be lost to the child care industry. So the child care industry in New Jersey is made up of uh, 4,165 licensed child care centers. Um, they're serving about 350,000 children. They employ uh, approximately 87,000 people. They are primarily all women. Uh, that represents about 6% of the working women's population in New Jersey. They, uh, this industry generates about $3.8 billion in revenue, and uh, it pays in payroll uh, upwards of $1.5 to $1.7 billion. So those employees are earning that revenue, earning that, uh, those, that salary. Um, it also pays about $100 million in property taxes. It operates um, 
12 months out of the year. Uh, typically, the centers, all of our centers are open somewhere between um, 6.30 in the morning to 7 o'clock at night. Some centers open a little earlier. Some Most centers usually close by 7 o'clock. They usually operate 245 days out of the year. Um, about 75% of the uh, workforce is uh, full-time, and the remainders, remainders are part-time. They represent 140 million women work hours in the course of a year. So there's, we're keeping an awful lot of people employed through this industry. Right. So I, all that said, I don't understand why the schools would even be interested in doing this. Like what, what, what's in it for public schools? Why would they? It seems like you guys have this area covered. You deal with child care. They deal with education. Why are we mixing them? So some public schools um, are losing students. The population in New Jersey is decreasing. When that happens, uh, their enrollments go down. They're left with vacant space. They have a choice. They can either close down that vacant space uh, or they can do something with it. They see child care as an opportunity to do something with it. The problem is that when they do this, when they start operating a child care center in a public building, um, first of all, they are uh, taking up space that should be vacated um, that the taxpayers are paying for, but now they're looking to make a profit, and they're looking to take that profit and put it into the general fund. This bill even goes so much further that would allow children outside of the school district to, uh, to come into their facilities. So now taxpayers would be paying for these, this space, this facility, and they'd be supporting people outside of their district or outside of their municipality. Um, it's just uh, the not, it's not proper use of municipal buildings. Um, aside from that, and even more important, uh, aside from the, the impact on the taxpayers, uh, is the impact on uh, children and families. Um, these schools don't run according to the way the childcare industry does. We operate un- under very strict guidelines. We're regulated by the Division of Children and Families, um, and uh, we have very strict regulations. And those and the people from the Division of Children and Families are out to our centers all the time, evaluating what we're doing, making sure that we're doing it the way it should be done according to the regulations. And when it's not, we get citations. And uh, we're required to fix those problems. Now, sometimes those problems are as simple as a stained ceiling tile. Other times it could be more serious. The point is there is oversight. And that oversight ensures the health and welfare of the children that we serve. And I, I like to think, and I know that, we operate according to those guidelines. DCF does an excellent job of regulating this industry and have for decades. And um, that would all be lost. Now, this bill says that they would operate under DCI, DCF guidelines. However, they would not be regulated by DCF. So there would be nobody holding them accountable. And we know today that this center, specifically in Evesham Township, was not operating according to DCF regulations. We know that because we visited them. Oh, you did? Yes. They were secret shopped. Uh uh, And we saw that there were many violations Mm -hmm. that were not being picked up. And uh, children were being left in swings while they were sleeping. Oh uh, it, was, it was pathetic. They were out right. of ratio. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things that were going on there. And because they have no oversight, there's no, there's, there's no hammer here. 
So if this bill got passed, would who would over, do the oversight for the public schools? Would DCF then suddenly have to expand itself to regulate? Because there's, what, 565 school districts? No, there's more than 600 school districts. There's 565 municipalities. municipalities. There are more school districts than there are municipalities in this state. So so just so I understand this, like just if you are to say this bill does get passed, the feasibility. Okay, so suddenly there's child care centers across. Say you, you I know you're from Woodbridge. Woodbridge has 26 elementary schools. Right. So. I got that stat right. <laughs> well, there are 26 <laughs> schools. I don't know if they're all okay. elementary, but okay. okay. But, um, but that said, so what would happen is, is that DCF or some other entity would then have to monitor all of those elementary schools in that town. We're talking thousands of schools. Well, that's true. But even more importantly than that, we know that when a school district, Parsippany School District, runs all their aftercare programs, mm-hmm. they're regulated by DCF. They get so cited. Already in there. Okay. Yeah, they get cited all the time. Nothing is done about those citations mm-hmm. because DCF cannot close down a public school. So, all right. So a DCF can close down a child care center, but DCF could not close down a public school. Well, we don't see DCF doing that. So here's a school that's got all these citations. Nothing ever gets done about it because the school district knows that DCF's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see, like when when a state lawmaker introduces a bill, one of the first things they have to show is what the cost of this bill would be, you know, to the taxpayer. Um, and a lot of bills die in Trenton because people come up with silly ideas for bills and they die. So it would be very interesting to see at some point when or if the state is going to do some type of cost analysis of this. You know, what is this actually costing to do? So. Has that, has that been done or no? It's not been done by us. We know what the impact will be. You may be familiar with the Abbott mm-hmm, ruling sure. back in yep. 1995. Mm-hmm. What happened there is uh, monies flowed down from the state to 31 school districts, mm-hmm. 31 municipalities. The poorest schools. Right. Yep. The, 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 the poorest uh, sections of the state. When that happened, they first did public-private partnerships with local community providers until they were able to build facilities. And then what they did is they took those children, put them into the new school buildings, and all those businesses went out of business. You will not find uh, child care centers in those sections today. If there are, they're hanging on by a thread. So they put all of them out of business. Now, they were offering that for free. Uh, We think that they're going to do this at a reduced rate. They're not, they don't pay taxes. They don't pay rent. So they can certainly, they've got lower profit margins. So therefore they can operate lower below what the private providers in the community are operating at. So they're going to offer reduced services to parents. Parents will see that as an opportunity. They'll go there, put the private provider out of business. And it turns out that it'll turn into uh, a total transformation of the childcare industry from the private sector to the public sector, and we believe that 87,000 women will go out of work. 87,000 women in New Jersey who work in these child care centers, which I think you, the stat I think you had said there was about 6%. Of yeah, it's about 5.9% of the working women population in this state. Wow. Well, let's, let's, let's talk to Royce about this. You're, you're a working mom. <laughs> and you've got two children. You juggle a lot of things. And I, I, from what I understand, like child care centers now are a little different from when maybe my kids were there. We've got biometric finger entry. We have silent alarms, parental daily reports, a lot of high-tech investment. 
Tell me about what a what a child care center is like today and maybe how that compares with a school. So um, one of the things you didn't just mention that is my favorite in my child care center are the cameras in the classroom. So I, on my desk throughout the entire workday, I have two screens on my desk. One always has the camera on. Um, and one has my, my daily work on it. Um, it's peace of mind. You know, you mentioned when we, you know, back in the day, my mom stayed home with me. You know, we had that benefit. Now, you know, the world is different. Um, I work full-time. My husband works full-time. Uh, you know, it, we're juggling, as you said. So it's peace of mind. You know, those cameras in the classrooms are peace of mind. The, uh, you know, every day I get uh, photos throughout the day and I get an electronic uh, daily uh, report uh, regarding both my children on what happened all day, what they learned all day, what we can reinforce at home, you know, that day. Do you get that daily? I get that every single day. Absolutely. We read it every day. We, you know, we go through it around oh the God. dinner table uh, every night, <laughs> you know, w- what they learn. And again, wow. what we can reinforce at home home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when we were kids, it was, how was your day? Fine. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know? Right. So now there's more, you know, uh, there, there's more meat there. We, we can talk, you know, and, and, and discuss that kind of stuff. Um, but as you mentioned, um, the biometric finger scanner, the safety and security of these small childcare centers, um, is just, again, it's that peace of mind. My child, they're young. I don't want them to go to a public school, you know. Uh, even if they're separated, you know, within a child care system in the public school, there's still older children there. Um, you know, again, I work full time. So what happens at 3 o'clock? Um, or, or, you know, is there an aftercare program? Am I paying additional for that? Um, are they put the majority of the um, – aftercare programs in this state, all children of all ages are put together in the gym or in the auditorium yeah, or in the just cafeteria. Kind of, just a wait, I guess, to the yeah, parents. A- absolutely. And I've talked to moms on the block. Uh, you know, I moved to, to my home about five years ago um, in my town. And uh, I was in my town longer, but I moved to that section. And I talked to a lot of the parents. And the, the parents of the young children actually pulled their children from these aftercare programs because of the language that they were picking up. You know, the the, the first graders are mixed in with the sixth graders. Yeah. So that's a problem. it's a huge, <laughs> huge problem, yeah. a huge concern. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a Guy, one thing. I, now, you, I, I understand, you um, own how many uh, child care centers in New Jersey? So um, Lightbridge Academy is a franchisor. Okay. So we franchise in five states. Okay. Um, we've got 112 centers or 112 franchisees. In New Jersey, we've got uh, 31 centers. Okay. So right now we're serving about uh, 5,000 families and we employ about uh, 600 just in New Jersey. Okay. And, and, and the reason I ask that is because I would assume that child care centers, especially if you're franchising, that they have very specific build outs as far as what are the requirements for a modern day child care center, such as, you know, um, you know, Royce had mentioned some of the, the high tech, you know, it seems to me that public schools would probably have to invest a lot of money just to get to that same level that you do with your build out of a, of a child care center. So before we even start to build out a facility, we have to meet all of New Jersey's environmental requirements. Unfortunately, New Jersey has got the highest environmental requirements anywhere, and that's because this place has got a lot of toxicity. So um, it's good that we meet those requirements. Uh, we do a lot to get uh, our buildings so that they are environmentally safe. Mm-hmm. The public school doesn't operate by the same standard. 
So public schools are not required to meet um, all of the groundwater pollution issues, the water issues, the air issues that we have to meet. And New Jersey is the strictest environmental requirements in the country. We meet those requirements in our child care centers and every one of our licensed providers in the state. Public schools are not held to that standard. So it's really unfortunate that we protect the children from infants to five-year-olds, and then when they go to kindergarten or first grade, they're subjected to that pollution. Like a lead, asbestos, whatever, especially in the very old schools. Right, right. We also meet uh, Americans for Disabilities Act requirements. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where you have ramps going into Mm -hmm. every door um, uh, and every entrance, Uh, public schools are not held to that standard. Mm -hmm. So we meet all the ADA requirements. Mm -hmm. It would would be interesting to see, and maybe this should be part of the assessment of this assembly committee, as far as like what it would actually cost to retrofit these public schools, especially in older places like Patterson and Newark that have schools built in 1920, what would it take to retrofit them to have the same level of uh, technology or sophistication as, say, a Lightbridge Academy or another well, I can tell you what center. our retrofit costs are when we go into an existing building. Sure. It's 100 to $120 a square foot. <laughs> so just think about yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it's – yeah, yeah it's uh, – every classroom is sized for approximately uh, 20 children, mm-hmm. um, and um, that's 700 square feet. So you can start doing the math. It would cost a fortune for the taxpayers to be able to foot this bill just so that they can um, get into our business. Mm-hmm. Also, what about liability, liability insurance for uh, public schools? You know, when somebody gets hurt in one of our schools, accidents happen, uh, you know, we cover their costs. If they have medical costs or whatever, they get covered. I'm not sure if that would happen in the public school, but somebody's got to pay for that. Mm-hmm. The taxpayers pay for everything in the public school. Right. So ultimately, it comes down to what the taxpayers are going to pay for. Mm-hmm. I pay for my liability insurance. Right, right. Has there been any um, discussion as far as the rates? Would it be that the rates would have to be you know, consistent with child care, typical child care centers? Like, has there been... Is this just like – it feels to me like it's kind of like let's just drop a bill on and see what happens. Like has there been thought into oh, – I don't what? think there's been any thought on this bill. I mean you right. asked before, what's the cost of this? Has anybody done cost calculations on this? I've not seen them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't answer that question. I do know that if they're, not paying, if they're not paying taxes, if they're not paying rent, their margins are going to be totally different than ours. Mm-hmm. Child care industry margins are pretty slim. I mean, there's, you know, you don't make a lot of money in this business, uh, but people do this because they love doing what they're doing. Yeah. The people who work here do it because they love doing what they're doing. Um, this is not about, this is not about uh, how much money you can make. It seems to me that the, um, the idea being is that people down in South Jersey, the lawmakers who are coming up with this idea is, wow, what a great way to use empty space. Why don't we just turn them into child care centers? And that way it could be tax revenue or it could be offset the costs here, offset the costs there. But again, like a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of legislation that just gets introduced, I don't think that there was the thought behind it. And I think that, or at least my hope, is that the Office of Legislative Services and others in Trenton are going to start doing some, start crunching the numbers. Besides what you had mentioned about all of what $100 million in property taxes a year, 5.9% of the female workforce in New Jersey, all these things in jeopardy because of what benefit? Right. Most of that space is leased, by the way. 
So most of the, the space in the child in child care industry, right? Mm-hmm. So we estimate that that's somewhere between twenty five and thirty million square feet of office or of space. Wow. So how are the realtors going to feel about that? Mm-hmm. How are the landlords going to feel about that? And the developers who own that space that they it's a single purpose purpose building. Yep. It's got no other use but childcare. Very hard to convert a childcare center into something else. So all that uh, real estate goes to waste. Okay. Uh, so Royce, for you, you know, it's interesting. It's like right now you would you would, under the scenario you would be paying for childcare at the same time as a taxpayer you would be paying to retrofit these buildings. It seems like you're kind of getting it both ways. It, it kind of seems like there's some double dipping going on. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I see it. That, that's correct. I'm gonna be, I'm paying. My taxes now, they're probably going to be raised due to all these facility changes. And then I'm going to actually have to pay to send my child there. (laughs) On top of that, in my town, I'm currently paying for children to be bused to a charter school in the adjacent town to me. So... I just kind of yeah. feel like I'm being <laughs> drawn out, thrown out of New Jersey. Welcome to, you know? welcome to New Jersey. <laughs> exactly. So if you're going to be subsidizing this space, how long do you see yourself subsidizing this space? It, it seems like forever. I, yeah. I don't think this will ever end. I, yeah. I, it's also interesting. We've been seeing a lot in New Jersey is a lot more bond referendum. And school districts, like there's one that's going up for vote in Monroe that I think if it's like three different phases, that would be over $200 million. And this is all like long-term debt of school districts. So I'm wondering if this bill does pass, especially for school districts, and I'll use Patterson again because they always struggle with money. You know, there's they don't have the money in their reserve accounts to start retrofitting. To me, it seems like it would prompt all this bond referenda around the state. So again, what we're doing, now I'm editorializing, but again, what we're doing is we're creating a heck of a lot more long-term debt, which obviously causes property taxes to go up. Is my theory correct? Or yeah, I-, I believe your theory is correct. Yes. Yes. I think that's what will happen. And what even exacerbates this issue is this bill would allow a school district to bring in children from other districts. So now the taxpayers in that, in that uh, municipality would effectively be paying for kids being served from other, uh, other districts. Okay. You know, we're going to be following this very closely, and we really appreciate you coming in. It's rare that on our podcast we get breaking news like this, and we appreciate it. And again, we're speaking with uh, Guy Falzerano. Uh, he's the Vice President of Government Affairs at the New Jersey Child Care Association and a concerned mom, uh, Roy Stosky, a mom of two who currently has t- uh, both of her children in a child care facility. Thank you both for being on the Jaffe Podcast, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you. Thank you. The Jaffe Podcast is a production of Jaffe Communications, which is solely responsible for its content. Episodes may not be reproduced or rebroadcast without permission. Our executive producer is Jonathan Jaffe. Our editor and production manager is Josh Frank. And our theme song was composed by David Siste. For more episodes, visit jaffecom.com or find us on Facebook at Jaffe Communications. Thanks for listening. Join us next week.